And now, Father, I pray, Lord, come by your Holy Spirit that your word would be spoken this morning and your word alone received. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. All right, first Sunday of Lent. Where is the band? I, I'm disappointed. We're supposed to be dirging and wailing. And I, don't, I told them I really don't like it when a song makes me cry and then my throat closes up and I can't sing. And that's what you did this morning. But God bless you. Yeah. Don't be. Well, sorry you made me stop singing. Don't ever say that. <laughs> okay. So Lent, sin. I have a, a story, you've probably heard this, that old farmer and his wife haven't been to church in decades, decades, and one Sunday morning he gets up and he says, I, I think I'm going to go to church this morning. And his, his wife's like, what? Anyway, he goes. She stays home, he goes to church, and a few hours later he comes back and there's kind of a look on his face, and she says, well, what did the preacher man say? And the old guy thinks for a minute, and he says, well, he talked about sin. And she says, well, what did he say? And the guy thinks for a while longer, and he says, he's against it. <laughs> so you've just heard the sermon, going to talk about sin, and I'm against it. I'm against it, I think was the, word, the phrase. All right, so a question to begin. Why are we as we are? You and I, why, why is my nose like this? Why is my hair this color? Why is this my physique and my voice and my IQ? The same question for you. Uh, why do I have this terrible sense of humor? Where do these things come from? Where do they come from? We, we know, right, our physical, mental, and emotional makeup, our, we know the answer. Well, I mean, yes, God created us. He chose us. I get all of that. I'm not denying that. But we also know that nature works and nurture. Right? Nature and nurture is the phrase, some combination of the gene pool of our ancestors and then how we were raised. Right? What was taught to us? What was modeled for us? Did we have enough face time when we were babies? What, what's expect, what expectations are put on us? All these things come together, genes and uh, nurture, nature and nurture. And we accept that idea, don't we, when it comes to our physical nature, our emotional makeup, our mental characteristics. But don't we struggle with this idea, and if we don't, I suggest maybe we should, when we apply that concept to our spiritual nature. Don't we struggle with it when it's applied to our, especially when we read here in our passage from Romans this morning that we're all guilty sinners consigned to death because of one man, Adam, who happened to follow his wife in eating fruit that God told him not to eat. It's our Old Testament reading this morning from, from Genesis Adam and Eve's fall. It's called the fall, the fall of mankind. That's what Paul's talking about in the epistle this, today. You know, I'm just going to pick out some phrases from the epistle, but he says these things. Sin came into the world through one man, and many died through one man's sin. Death reigns in us all because of Adam's sin. His sin led to the condemnation for all. Now, I didn't write this stuff. I'm just quoting the scripture, God's word to us. 
And so we accept the idea of genetic source of our physical, emotional, and uh, mental makeup, but don't we struggle against it when that's applied to us? That we all are guilty, and we have the consequences of Adam's sin, which is death. That doesn't seem fair. Adam followed Eve into eating what God said not to, and all humanity is affected with death. Doom. Is that right? Does that make sense? Is that fair? I mean, we're born to sinners. I get that. We're all born to sinners, and we're all raised by sinners, so nature and nurture, what choice do we have? But on the other hand, Paul seems to be saying more than that. He's saying we're guilty before our birth. We're guilty from the womb that sin and death are ours simply because our very distant ancestors, Adam and Eve, sinned. And that doesn't seem fair. I'm, I was a lawyer for a long time. I can make the case. Not fair for God to make the whole human race guilty because of something somebody screwed up way back there. Okay, so, but that's the way it is. We're guilty because we're born human. And we can argue that it's not fair, but, but here's the thing. It's a little caution before we take God to court, you know, and sue him over this, <laughs> I think it's good to realize that he's not fair either when it comes to the solution for our sins. In fact, his unfairness there is, is infinitely greater than the unfairness of making us all guilty of sin because of what Adam did. That's hard to understand, but this is impossible to understand, that we can all be counted as righteous, freed from the power and bondage of sin by putting our faith in the one man, Jesus Christ. We're all guilty because of Adam's sin, but we are all can be counted righteous by the righteous act of Jesus Christ. Hugely unfair. He proved his sinlessness. He he went in the desert, with that's our gospel lesson this morning. Satan tempted him, and he survived that temptation. He, he did not succumb to temptation. He resisted temptation. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross without any sin of his own so that he could bear our sin. He was God-forsaken because he was loaded up with our sin. And Paul says that righteous act leads to the acquittal, a not guilty verdict for everybody else who will put their trust in him and receive what he did. Totally not fair. The guilty, we, go free because the innocent died in our place. And what's more, it's a free gift of God, unmerited. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. All we have to do, as Paul says, is to receive the free gift of righteousness, and we will reign. Totally unfair. If that's our situation, and I would suggest that it is, I don't think we should sue the Lord. I think we should leave that go and just accept the other unfairness that he's done on our behalf. But if, we are, if that's who we are, we're sinners by nature, but as Christians, our sins are covered, the debt canceled by Jesus Christ. That's the thing. His death didn't just cover our little individual daily sins. It covered the, the massive debt that we owed 
by nature, the debt we got, the, the sin we got from Adam, canceled it, Scripture says. He nailed it to the cross. It's gone, the bill, the debt that was against us. But if that's the, where we are and who we are, then my question is, what do we do? What's the proper response to the sins, the stuff we do every day? Am I speaking to the right people? I, nobody laughed at 8 o'clock. I thought, dang, I'm the only one in the room that, that sins. Oh, this is not good. But you, I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we just had a vestry retreat, uh, the vestry and clergy on, on, on Kiowa, kind of a shabby place to go, but nevertheless, that's where we were. We were in a beach house, and it was, I must say. So I think there was a little jealousy, maybe a little envy that might have arisen, not in me, of course, but maybe in some of the others who were there. It was kind of stunning. The whole island thing is kind of amazing. But the other, the more basic things we do, like not giving the Lord our life for the day. You know, okay, I'm going to do things my way this day, today. I'm not even going to think about the Lord when I get out of bed in the morning king of our own lives, the little sins that plague us sometimes, a little gossip here and there, a little coveting, jealousy, greed, the unholy places our minds go. I'm talking about what do we do with that? We've we got the big picture. We're sinners by nature. We're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ if we've believed in him. And what's going to be our response to sin? Well, the first thing is to uh, resist it, resist temptation. And that's a great model we have in Jesus Christ in the wilderness. Three times Satan comes with these amazingly enticing... If you skip over it too fast, you might... He's hungry, right? I mean, he's he, 40 days and 40 nights, and he can do it. He can turn a few loaves of bread into feeding 5,000 people. He can create wine out of water. He can turn a rock into bread. He can do it. Satan says, just do it. Just feed yourself for heaven's sake. He says, does the Father really love you? He's, you got this cross thing ahead of you. Does he really love you? Why don't you test it out, you know, before you get up on the cross? Jump off the temple and watch it. See if he doesn't hold you up. Or you can skip the cross altogether, this third temptation. I'll give you the glory and the power of, over the nations. You don't have to go to the cross for that. I'll give it to you. Got to be somewhat tempting, and three times Jesus resists. He resists on the basis of the word of God. And that's the thing for us to notice. Jesus Christ himself, God the Son, baptized in the Holy Spirit, doesn't rely on his own strength and wisdom. He quotes the scripture back to Satan. He stands on that. The, the best defense we have to the lie, you and I, is the truth. And to have it within us, in our hearts, and in our minds readily. Not, not that it has to be on the tip of your tongue, but it helps if it is. Because <laughs> we can respond with the word of truth when it's needed. And secondly, our response to sin needs to be David's response, Psalm 51. Um, and this is just my f failure to remember... <laughs> Uh, you know, at least by Tuesday, that we don't do four lessons. I'm used to four lessons on Sunday morning, and one of them is the psalm. It's always the psalm. And you can't really start Lent, I'm sorry, but you can't without Psalm 51. Uh, it is Lent, encapsulated. And so I, I took the liberty of printing it out. I'm sorry if you didn't get a copy. It's also in the Bible someplace. Um, <laughs> you can look it up. 
it's about in the middle somewhere. But what David's response here is, is a model for us in our sins. Now, David, you remember his sin was rather massive. Uh, let's say a spectacular even, um, involving adultery and the murder of uh, Bathsheba's husband and uh, a few things like that. And, you know, here's a man who's called a man after God's heart, and that's how he lives his life. Um, we all need God's mercy and forgiveness. But his, when confronted with his sin, this psalm is attributed to him as respo- his response. Have mercy on me, O God. I like to skip down to three. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. In other words, David is saying, I'm guilty. I know I'm guilty. It's, I can't get away from the thought. I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. And against you only have I sinned. I don't know what you know, Uriah might have thought of that statement, but David's right. He's putting first things first. It's against you, Lord, I've transgressed. And I deserve what you give me. I'm guilty. Not to defend, not to excuse, not to say, you know, the devil made me do it, or whatever it is that we come up with to shield ourselves from that knowledge of our own guilt. And then he asks, he begs for mercy. Have mercy, have mercy. Here he's quoting Paul (laughs) a few centuries earlier. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. It's a sin nature. Purge me, Lord, cleanse me, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let my bone, the bones you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. That's great prayer. Good way to start the day, any day, but particularly in Lent, to recognize our need and to pour out our hearts. The... Uh, old prayer book used to say it, uh, so we justly lament our sins. They should be grievous unto us. The burden of them is intolerable. We still have a sin nature. Absolutely, we do. Uh, And it rears its ugly head. But we have a new nature as well in Christ by the Holy Spirit, given us the ability to withstand temptation and our hearts, if we'll listen to him, to repent in fullness as did David. So, in conclusion, I would recommend this. Uh, Don't fuss at God because we're counted dead due to Adam and Eve's ancient sin. Don't fuss at him. Just realize that it's way outweighed by the righteous gift that we receive through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness of the one man imputed to us. And our response to sin is that we know we'll do it. It remains unavoidable, but we're called to resist temptation, resist in the word, using the word and with the power of the spirit to rely on the, on the Lord to help us stand against it. And then when we fail, when we fall to pray, Psalm 51, confess, acknowledge, repent, bewail, and beg for mercy. And then finally, I would say most of all, let's live giving thanks for the righteous act of the one man, Jesus Christ, by which we and I, you and I can be by faith counted as righteous, even though we surely are not. Pray with me, please. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the season of Lent where we get a chance to step back from our busy lives and reflect on how we're living 
and how you ask us to live. Give us hearts, Lord, to hear your voice, to agree with your diagnosis, and to forgive us. In Christ's name, amen.